You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome in. Sorry for a little bit of a delay. Garden Report, John Zanis here, Asherod Blakely at the Garden, Bobby Manning, Josue Pavone there as well. Jimmy Toscano playing ice hockey in minus 40 degree wet pond hockey up in New Hampshire. Oh, that's Jimmy. What, Such a glutton for what, punishment. That's what Jimmy Toscano's doing. Uh, Bobby and I popped on here earlier to talk about the Kyrie Irving situation, which is fun. We'll circle back to that. Um, for sure, at some point or another, because it is, um, you know, biggest story in the NBA right now. But we'll start with the game, uh, and uh, you know, I'll start with Sherrod Blakely's take on what was a surprisingly uninspired performance from the Celtics pretty much all night. Oh, yeah, I mean, and then I think it started, you know, with, with Tatum. Uh, I just think he this was really just a bad game. Uh, didn't really have any type of flow or or energy and his numbers are going to be very deceiving. He got 20 points, but he lived at the free throw line, got a couple of uh, foul calls his way on three point shot attempts. Uh, I thought he wasn't very good. I, I thought the team just didn't really have that fire. And it, they had moments where you could see the game, the, the momentum could swing in their favor, but they didn't make it. They didn't take advantage of those opportunities. Jalen Brown showed up. Uh, he's the one guy I thought showed up for the most part. Because uh, at one point, he scored the first 10 points, and he was 3 for 6 shooting the ball, and the rest of the team was like 0 for 8 or something like that. So um, this was – what I mean, this was – I don't – I'm not angry or disappointed, yes, but I'm not angry. This is kind of like when, you know, when, when little Jimmy studies for that test and he brings home like, you know, a B minus and you thought he was going to bring home an A, you're, you're disappointed. You're not angry, but you're disappointed. That's kind of how I feel about this one. Yeah, but, you know, this is kind of – it's it's a pattern at this point that it's impossible to ignore. Uh, and right now, there's two things that bug me. The, the you had a nice break, and you you came out last game with a little life. And I said at the time, you know, might not be great that they hit all those threes in this game uh, because you know you get nights like that. You're like, yeah, this is what we do. And then you just get a night like this where it's like. Let's just take the easy way out. Just jack a few, see what happens. Uh, and, and and it's very clear what happened. You had Tatum and Brown going seven for 12 each, you know, uh, the other night, you know, 14 for 24. And tonight they go six for 22 combined. Uh, and just jacking threes, jacking threes. That's low energy, low effort stuff. You're not working for it. You're not getting paint touches. You got a team coming in here that's missing four of their top seven scorers really not an excuse to not just put the hammer down in this game so the energy and the effort is one. Second one is that 
without Marcus Smart here in the last six games since he got hurt in the middle of that Toronto game, they were able to squeak out. They're two and four. Um, escaped, you know, that game uh, against LA. They've scored fewer than 100 points three times uh, in this uh, in in this stretch. That's something uh, that uh, didn't really happen much uh, in the early part of the season, and it, it's happening a lot now. So again, I know you as much as anybody. Uh, Sherrod is a is a, is a big mark, a smart game, and uh, I think it was Sean Grandy who tweeted the numbers. First 27 games. Zero times held under 100. The next 20, twice. Last six, three. So that's no surprise. This is all without Marcus. Um, and so, again, for the people out there who love to hate on him, and, you know, we've been critical of him at times, there's no question that they need him to settle this offense down and to get them running the, the way they're supposed to. When he's not there, they can't. Uh, He's going to come back at some point, so you know that's going to be okay. But it's still alarming to see how bad they are without somebody there to give them some direction. Yeah, I've been looking for someone to just really step up and just kind of be that glue guy that that Marcus is and and just get them in the spots where they need to be, orchestrate the offense, and just kind of basically be Marcus Smart-like. And that just hasn't happened. I think Derek White has had his moments where he's looked really good. But he's not really looking to be a playmaker, it feels like. He's, he, it seems that he's being looked upon to be more of a catch-and-shoot guy at times. Uh, same thing with Peyton Pritchard. He comes in there and he's looking to score. And you start looking around and you're saying, well, who's going to be that, you know, who's going to be the, the one that's going to fall on the sword of playmaking? And that person doesn't exist. Uh, none of the guys seem very comfortable with that. And, and Tatum kind of defaults to that only when he has nights like this where he can't make shots. And it's like, is that really helping a team when your best player, your best scorer can't make shots? So then he becomes a playmaker. Uh, it's When you start thinking about the trade deadline coming up, I thought this game exposed a couple of areas of concern. I'm, I'm concerned about the playmaking beyond Marcus Smart, and I'm concerned about the bigs. I mean, freaking Jacques Lansdale was absolutely owning the paint when DeAndre Ayton wasn't in there, and that should not happen. Uh, I thought that was a much bigger factor in this game because, remember, Phoenix was struggling to get shots to go down early on too, but then they started just basically playing bully ball, yeah. getting shots at the rim, and that seemed to open things up for the perimeter guys. As, and you know you're down by 20 in the first half. As soon as Rob went out, because Rob goes out at the four-minute mark of that first of the first quarter, very early sub out for Brogdon because that's the rotation that uh, that Joe wants, I guess, in here, and immediately goes into uh, uh, what you call it. Sorry, into Aiton, 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 Aiton passes out from the post, and they get eight quick points there, and all of a sudden it was eight seven from seven nothing, and all of a sudden it was twelve seven from seven nothing. Bang, 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 bang. That happened very, very quickly there. So, yes, yeah. you do have some problems there with the bigs. Certainly when Rob leaves, he's really your only interior presence. Uh, and when he's out, they're really left exposed. And, you know, Bobby, when Bobby enters this room, eventually he's going to be, uh, you know, it, once he composes himself uh, and wipes away the tears, he's going to be, you know, apoplectic coming in here after Cornette went down. Um, but what's interesting is, again, if it's a minor little ankle tweak, that's fine. It really does you know, bring into focus, you know, that need for the, everyone's going to go back and forth, the big, the wing, the big, the wing, what do they need? They need more talented, 
I'm going back to where we were last year. I don't want to jump all the way ahead into trade talk here. Trade deadline's coming up, and it could be really interesting for a lot of different reasons. But the Celtics, as you figure, they're looking to add a player who's going to be their eighth or ninth guy, not a player who's going to come in and be a starter or whatever. But right now, I'm where I was last year, which is you just need more talent. It doesn't matter at what position. You know, when you added Derek White, fine, let it be that. Then you added Malcolm Brogdon, another guard, great, doesn't matter. You need more ball players. You're not getting enough down that bench there. Grant Williams has basically completely disappeared um, at, at this point, and he's supposed to be a third or fourth big that you kind of work in there. You actually probably do need somebody who can come in and play 15, 18, 20 minutes a game. Um, that's why I think like the Pearl discussions are silly. That's a starter. That's a guy who wants to come in here, play 30, 30 plus minutes and earn a massive contract coming up there. You don't need to blow the wad, blow your wad for something like that, but you do need to go find somebody to eat some minutes. And I'm definitely a little bit concerned about the big situation where before I thought it might've been less of an issue. Yeah. I mean, and, and for me, it's, it's like find a big who can make an impact, whether that is shooting three, scoring on a block defense, but find another big who can make their presence felt with some level of consistency, and they just don't have that. I mean, if, if Al and Rob are having an off night, they really don't have anywhere to turn. No disrespect to Luke Cornett, but, you know, Luke, he's at best, and I'm, and I'm saying at best, a third center. But yeah. when you think about it, is he a third center on a championship caliber team? I'm not sure it, about it's that. It's different when you're starting. The problem is is it's not a he's not a third center. When you're starting two of them, he's your first backup. That's the difference. And that's kind of what's why I don't love double big. I only for rotational purposes. I don't love it. I am curious if Joe we have not seen enough of the whole team healthy, including Smart and Rob, to know if that's where he wants to go for sure. Personally, I'm more in favor of not one set starting lineup and make it matchup based and sometimes watch, sometimes see Grant in there, sometimes see White in there. But right now, you're in a weird spot if you're the Celtics because you need a few things. You need a big that's better than Cornette or a wing that's better than Hauser or uh, you know somebody else who can come in and challenge Grant for minutes as well. Um, that's kind of where you're at. Any one of those scenarios probably helps you one way or another. You're not going to solve all of your needs, but the big thing is a little bit concerning also given the age of one of your bigs and the health of another um, you know, you're extremely thin if, 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 if someone goes down there, uh, extremely thin and you can get exposed, uh, you know, uh, down below and give away a lot of easy buckets, which, uh, you know, which they did tonight. Um, so let's talk about Tatum. What happens to him on a night like this? You know, like it's, we, I feel like we haven't seen unengaged Tatum much this year. Um, mm. I think we've seen it more in the last 20 or so games and we did it over the first 30. Uh, but this was just a weird one of just, you're right. Never was in the flow. I mean, he goes, he went what almost two quarters at zero points. And then he, and then he popped in the, or did he go the whole half? Did he get, uh, I, forget. I, I think he scored in the first half, but it, it wasn't, I think it was yeah. late in the first half, yeah. but well, the, the bottom line is he, that is, that, that is the head of your snake. That is the guy that, if you can't have that. Him, you can't have that. And then the thing, the thing that Tatum has done, I think, a, a better job this year than in past years is on those nights when he can't make shots, he's able to get to the line early in the game and get some points and just make his presence felt that way. He didn't get to the line until, like, the second half, really. And at that point, it's like you're, 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 you're fighting an uphill battle. He made some shots in the second quarter that helped them kind of cut into that 20-point deficit. But for the most part, Tatum was a non-factor, and your best player cannot be that. 
on any night. I don't care whether he goes one for 17. He's got to figure out ways to make his presence felt, and that never really happened. Uh, and to your point, John, earlier about the bigs. Um, hey, is that another Grant Williams party? Not today, but they got they, they ha- the age and the injury issue in the front court bothers me too. It makes me very nervous, which is why you, you're, that, you're right. That first big needs to be almost, almost like a quasi-starter of sorts for you, someone that you could throw in there and play 20, 25 minutes and feel good about that. Yeah. You, don't, you don't feel that way with Luke. Yeah. Uh, what is interesting about the Tatum thing, and this is you know what I find kind of perplexing about tonight. Again, you look at the stat lines and you see Jalen Brown obviously had a better overall game. He was more impactful, filled up the score sheet more. Jason Tatum was passive, um, you know, didn't, uh, you know, obviously had a really poor shooting night really didn't make much of an impact, was kind of driving into nowhere a lot of times, throwing his hands up, I think playing for the foul rather than, you know, trying to, you know, play through contact, I think was going up soft at times. Just really, really not a great game. But for as bad as the Celtics were, as poorly as they were shooting throughout the game, and uh, they were right in this game up until the third quarter, where Jason Tatum sits for four minutes and the entire game got away from them. And that's the second time in the night where you had Phoenix's subs. And by subs, I mean deep subs because they're missing so many players, basically third string guys just run you off the court, a 14 to two run before Tatum gets back in there. And that's it. That was lights out. You know, uh, Tatum came in, did nothing. He was over three for this field goals, got to the line a couple of times in the fourth, but still, they were just awful with him off the court. Awful. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Jalen Brown was a minus 11 that quarter. He was out there with those, with that unit, you know, Brogdon had a really rough night. Uh, but when Tatum is gone, uh, it, it, the, so much changes with this, with this team, even on an off night, it was, it was clear, uh, Phoenix is making their run Tatum's on the bench and that game literally got away from them in that four minute stretch that he, that he sat in the fourth. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I'd like to point out is, is Malcolm Brogdon only played 22 minutes. Yep. And when your next best player it plays only 22 minutes on a night when— A minus you know, 28 in 22 minutes, I'll right, add, but, but right. still, yeah. I, I, I would like to have seen him out there a little bit more because I, I do think that there were, some, there were certain matchups where, that I thought he was able to exploit and, and get some things either for himself or others. But this—again, uh, Tatum has to be better. And I mean, on nights when he can't make shots, that's no excuse for not playing well. Uh, there's more to his game than making shots, and we just didn't see that tonight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a comment here. This always bugs me, too, on the bad Tatum nights. He's pretty slow to get back. He really gets into his own head when he's having these bad. You see the offense affect defense on these nights, uh, and it's really bad. And, again, the, the the carryover that it has everywhere, I thought Brown did his best, but then Brown in the fourth quarter is trying to do a little bit too much, a little bit of everything. Every single shot in that fourth quarter it went from Brown felt like a force, even the, even the bomb that went in from 30 feet. I thought the shot selection was terrible. And, again, it starts, it from, Tatum, it starts from Tatum on down. When you're watching him – labor like that get frustrated not get back on d struggle again that the the uh the trickle down effect that it has on the rest of the team is just brutal yeah i mean i, I thought Jalen was just trying to save him and he was and, he's and, like all right i'll, I'll do it right, and, you know right it felt like he he was the only one that could do it and and i i understand that because if you watch this game how it was played I can you can totally understand him feeling that way about the way things were playing out. It, it, it was to the point where 
Tatum would bring the ball down and I think had a matchup in his favor and he'd swing at the Jalen and he would just kind of basically put go in the corner. Uh, and I'm thinking like, dude, you need to get some pick and roll action with this dude and get the ball back and, and do what the best player on your team is supposed to do. Uh, again, so much of, of what went wrong in this game felt like it was predicated on what Tatum was not able to do and what Tatum didn't make the effort to try and do. All right, let's take a pause and talk about our exclusive wagering partner, and that, of course, is Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, NHL, and more. You will always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Once again, CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Yeah, and that's the problem there is that effort. And again, this is where you talk about things. And again, I know a lot of this stuff is basic, like, come on, Joe, you know, get into Look, for the most part, that hasn't been Tatum's thing this year. But, you know, it's not a, it's not you haven't seen it as frequently uh, as you have in years past. It's still there. You wish it would go away, um, but it's still there. The the question then comes down to, and again, this is what I mean by basic, like looking at Joe, looking at Marcus not being there and basically saying someone's got to be there to kind of hold them accountable and, and rein them in. And this is the thing I get tired of. Like, does anybody say you had to rein LeBron in or Kawhi in or something like that? You know, like, I just feel like that's not something you're saying about. And again, I know, oh, he's 24. It's just, this isn't his sixth year. He's an all-NBA player last year. You know, he's an MVP candidate this year. Do you really need to be reined in to keep yourself from having these nights where you just get kind of get soft in the brain and uh and 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 don't give it your best effort and kind of sulk and whine and pout and don't get back on d and constantly look for calls like yeah everybody complains that's not what it is do you get i mean do you need somebody to mentally get you back into a game that seems such like such a strange thing to me that we're still having this conversation about tatum I don't. I don't think you do, and I don't. I think Tatum has done enough to this season where I don't think people can look at that and say that's a major problem that's going to keep him from getting to that next level. But what I do believe it is, is that- but it, it is at the worst times. And again, you're talking about the two Golden State games, and obviously the finals, and those times where things get hard, where you see him really kind of shrink. Uh, and it's like, well, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to rise above that stuff uh, if you're you. But anyway, go on. Yeah, you're supposed to rise above it, but clearly he's not ready to do that with the kind of consistency that a player in his position should be doing that. The, the thing about Tatum that I, I – and I keep coming back to this with him – is that he does so many things that you love, but he, his timing of when he's not great – is about, uh, is about as bad timing-wise as you can get. Playing the Golden States, playing in the NBA Finals, you know, the, the, those kind of pivotal games, pivotal matchups that you're looking at him and thinking he should win this and his team should win this, that he seems to shrink. And conversely, Jalen, if you think about Jalen this season, 
he's had some games where he, he hasn't played great, but I don't think Jalen has ever had a game this season, certainly not this season, where he didn't score for like a quarter and some change. He's going to get a bucket. He's going to make a play. He's going to do something to put his imprint on the game. He may not do it very often, but Tatum has too many of those stretches where he's just out there running up and down, not really making his – he doesn't play like a franchise player uh, at times. And even when you're missing shots, like LeBron misses a ton of shots, but you never doubt that he's the face of that franchise, whatever. And Tatum, he's got to be more consistent uh, in just putting his imprint on the game. It doesn't always have to be points, but you've got to make your presence felt. I, I see this comment. I, I, this guy's tried to make it two times. We're not talking about me or an office worker. You're talking about <laughs> professional athletes here, guys. I mean, that's what it is. But yeah, you can you can show up in the NBA and give a half-ass effort, and then you can also collect your paycheck, still have a great life, and you might even make the All-Star team or Hall of Fame. But the guys who win, and the guys who transcend, and the guys who take their teams to different levels tend to do it less, uh, tend to always kind of lead, tend to whatever. You're trying to, you're talking about maturation. Yeah, Tatum's done less of it this year. You hold you hold people um, accountable, uh, especially at the highest levels. And that's the point is Tatum has put himself in a stratosphere of greats, which means when he's not great or when he's bad, you absolutely talk about it. I, I don't know why this is difficult to understand. With great power comes great responsibility. This is how it works. That's who he is right now. So yeah, you don't you don't want your best player just dogging ass. It really affects everything. It affects the whole thing. It just doesn't work that way. Um, yeah. So. No, it's it's. It, it, I hate conversations about effort because it it just seems like it's the one thing that you should not have to think about or factor into how teams and how players play. It should always be there. And I don't expect great effort every night because I, I think that's just not realistic. No. Well, I expect be- I expect better than this. Uh, yeah. What we saw tonight because uh, I just didn't think he had any kind of significant moment at either end of the floor. He made a couple of shots, but he missed a ton of shots, and his defense was shoddy. There were times where he didn't get back as well as he should. And, and again, everything about his game felt subpar tonight. Uh, and that's something that we have not been able to say very often about Jason Tatum because he has earned the right to be in the conversation for league MVP based upon the team's success, based upon his impact on that success. But on nights like this, when everything pretty much is below standard, you need to, he needs to be accountable for that. Uh, yep. And I, don't, I, I just don't understand why is that, that's such a, a difficult concept for your best player to be accountable. We give him his praise and his props when he goes out there and has great games, and he deserves that. Just like yep. he deserves the, the criticism and, and questions that come about when you don't meet a certain level of play. Yeah, yeah he's the man. Um, Missoula was asked about both the effort and the minutes tonight. Just and and uh, you know the things that we've talked about here. Missoula was kind of asked about it, his performance and then the non-Tatum minutes and how those things went so poorly uh, tonight. Here's Joe's answer. What do you, what do you see from Jason tonight, and then in the non-Jason minutes where you guys have had a few issues lately? Yeah, um, you know I saw he got good looks. You know I saw. Um, they were in drop, and so he was able to get uh, wide open threes. Um, you know, we got to do a better job of when he's screening, of getting stuff out of that, especially when teams are switching. 
um, and not just be as pick and roll oriented, but off ball as well. Um, and then, you know, as far as the non JT minutes, I don't think it's about that. I think it's about just managing the game. Like we, you know, our um, second unit does a good job of ending quarters and starting quarters well, and we didn't do that. We didn't end uh, the quarters well. We didn't start the quarters well, and that cost us. So yes, it, it's fair. Um, Tatum's going to be the headliner because he's Jason Tatum, but the bench was freaking dreadful um, tonight from Malcolm Brogdon's minus 28 in his 22 minutes to Grant Williams goose egg, um, you know, to, you know, whatever else you have there again. I mean, Cornette's Cornette. He's only going to give you what he's going to give you, Um, you know, and then Pritchard really didn't do much with his limited action. But I mean, he said Grant Williams minus 24 and 22 points in 22 minutes zero points zero for two field goals uh grant's just going in a bad way right now as we said brogdon was bad pritchard wasn't great so you know look you get jt in the you get tatum in the bench minutes sometimes you get jt in the bench minutes the reality is when the bench is bad the 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 bench being bad was was the case for anyone who had to play with bench players tonight it's still tatum in the bench is better than Jalen in the bench and those non Tatum minutes when you are playing with reserves, they tend to hold it together a little bit better than when he's off. So yes, the bench sucked. Uh, anyone out there playing with those guys tonight was at a massive disadvantage, but again, the game clearly got away there uh, when Tatum was off the floor. Yeah. And, and th- the thing about the, the bench play that, that I thought stood out was that, so many guys on the Phoenix bench were getting buckets. And the second unit of the Celtics, they typically don't – they're not great scorers, but they're also – they don't allow a ton of points either. And that was, to me, that was a big part of problem in this game. They just did not play with the kind of focus defensively that they needed to. And the, and the, the crazy part about it, uh, and if you're a Celtics fan, th- this is the silver lining that you're going to take away from this. They played like crap, and they were basically – um, two minutes away from completely tilt swinging this game in their favor. I mean, they, yep. they had so many like moments, possessions that you knew if this shot goes down, they're probably going to totally, or if they get this stop, they're going to probably turn this thing around and, and get the win. And that just, it was, there's so many times like that and it never happened. It wasn't there. I remember down six, you get a Horford three, could have cut it to three. That right. doesn't go. He was one for six tonight. That's another thing. It's again, it's, you just, you can't win too many things went wrong to win this game. You have a horrible game from your best player. The bench doesn't show up at all. And you have virtually no secondary scoring from your entire starting lineup. I mean, that's really, really, really rough. I mean, uh, you know, Derek White actually had a decent game, but the two bigs, Rob barely touched the ball again. Why Why one day after about pumping Rob's tires and saying that the sky is the limit, do you basically never pass him the ball or not get involved or not do anything there again? He wasn't really involved, and he played 30 minutes tonight. And when Al when Al's a zero on offense, when that three's not going at all and he gives you nothing – that definitely hurts them. Uh, those are tough nights to completely overcome when you're getting when you're getting a zero out of there. Yeah, the the Rob minutes we love. We love when Rob's on the floor. We would really love if Rob was on the floor and got touches. And and that just and, and this is a Phoenix team that again they uh, they played us really smart game. I mean, you, you got to give them credit because they recognized when they had certain matchups they went to them. Chris Paul, there was this one possession and it was just such a Chris Paul type thing to do. He's bringing the ball down and he's got Jalen Brown and Luke Cornett both about about evenly spaced apart. And what does he do? 
He goes to his left, matches up with Cornette, raises up for a jump shot. And it's little things like that that the Celtics didn't do as good a job of handling. I mean, because I'm watching this, I'm watching him get past half court, and I'm thinking if they let him get all the way to the, you know, within four or five feet of the three-point line, he's going to go to his left and match up with Cornette, and that's exactly what he did, knock down a shot. Celtics have to do a better job with the little things. And, and again, this, you got to, I have to remind myself that, yes, this, is a, this was a crappy loss, but they've won 11 of their last 15 games. So it's not like they're in this huge, you know, slide of sorts. But you've got to start stacking wins that on nights when you're not great because that, that's what great teams do. They find ways to win games, particularly on a night where you're basically two, three possessions from sw- swinging the momentum in your favor and forcing Phoenix to now all of a sudden play a little defense and try to get back into it. Yeah, and again, I know you can look at it at 11-15, but I'm going to go look even longer. Actually, heading into this Phoenix game, Right, the Phoenix the, that that massive win against Phoenix, which they were up about forty nine points. I think it ended up being a twenty something point win. Was the high water mark of the season at twenty one and five? Then they played exactly twenty six games after that at, at sixteen and ten. This makes them sixteen and eleven over their last twenty seven. So again, this is not a bad team. That's still nearly a six hundred win percentage. Uh, it's not a great team. It's been a very inconsistent team since the high water mark of the of the season, where they did go twenty one and five there, and their numbers were otherworldly with an offense that was. The next game after that was Golden State, and then things have gone back and forth, back and forth. Even with the benefit of a nine game win streak mixed in there, you're still only sixteen and eleven over those last twenty seven. So again, I, I, I'm I'm definitely you're definitely seeing two parts to this season and a second part that's involving some really questionable, shaky, shaky, shaky offense, offense that's dependent on threes going down and offense that's really, really cratered with Marcus Smart out. So, you know, record being the record, that's fine. But again, you have to look at everything. They've had some injuries. They've also had some injury luck with their opponents. They're facing a, a, a team tonight that was absolutely ravaged by injury and they didn't win. They had Brooklyn twice without Kevin Durant, once without Durant and Simmons. Again, they've had a few games here where they've had some cupcake matchups against teams that would have been tougher if they had a fully loaded roster and they didn't. So I definitely think we're seeing weird trends uh, over the last part two of the season if you're breaking it into equal halves right now um bobby manning is jumping out of the locker room he is going to join us and give us um his take on what's going on there uh we will of course welcome in josue pavone uh as well we are quickly going to take a pause tell you about one of our sponsors at the garden report when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You. We're going to bring in Josue Pavone as well. Uh, and let me get this phenomenal stuff out of here. Let me get you out of here. Phenomenal. Yeah, get out of here. Come on. Man. I'm trying to. I was trying to find my final score. And I'm bringing Josue in. Uh, Josue, you were in talking to some people. They must have told you some stuff. What was it? 
couple stuff, couple stuff. Uh, Jalen Brown, really, uh, just just disappointed. I guess the best way to put it. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna play one of those sound bites too because this, this is my favorite. Right. It's my favorite. I'll, I'll, I'll tease it. I'll, I'll leave that the, the way it is. Right. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll tease it for you. Right. Um, and 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 Joe Mazzulla just just really talking about executing. You know, uh, giving the the Phoenix Suns a lot of credit, which is he pointed out something that I was telling Bobby all night. I'm like, man, the the, the way they were switching one through four, I just think the Celtics had a really tough job of, of getting over that hump but then they did it they did it they pulled to within one point in that fourth quarter uh Malcolm Brogdon misses a shot and then all of a sudden the Sun go into that huge run and look I'm not trying to say that, that that happened because of that Brogdon miss but I just think the Phoenix Sun did a really good job of just capitalizing on those situations and of course uh doing it often you know in that fourth quarter and defensively I, I just forcing guys to take shots from the perimeter you know really protecting the rim I I, I saw that and Joe Mazzula pretty much um echoed the same thing and same sentiment in the sense of uh how tough this team can be even if they're shorthanded how tough they are when Chris Paul is running the offense and just other guys just step how up tough were they when you beat them by 50 the first time I mean look man that was a long time ago <laughs> you know like you got to remember look. Phoenix went in a tailspin after that by the way you know they look I don't know if this other team was just still feeling themselves off of that that Nets win but I mean, when they got it to within one, it was almost as if like they turned it down a bit, uh, right, Sharon? I mean, I don't know. I feel like they, or, or they just they were complacent, I guess. And the Phoenix Suns weren't having that. You know, they came with the same energy one quarters one through four, and they made them they made the Celtics pay in a worse way in that fourth quarter. And that was to me that was one of the keys. It was just their consistency. They they I didn't think Phoenix played a great game. They didn't play right. a crappy game. They were just consistently playing with great effort, consistently making the plays when they needed to be made. And they just played with confidence. I mean, you know, the Celtics were going to run, and next thing you know, DeAndre Ayton is throwing a little floater in the lane. Or you've got, you know, some guy, you know, that 95% of the NBA community has no idea who the hell is, is posting up Malcolm Brogdon and getting layups. They found ways to win this game by simply doing the little things all night long. Yeah, and uh, yeah. we were talking about Josue mentioned Jalen Brown. There's yeah. two versions. There's two versions of Jalen Brown. One is energy is about to shift Jalen Brown, and the other is this, which is my least favorite uh, soundbite that these guys pull out of their bag. He corrected himself. Yeah, I mean, you just keep playing basketball. A twenty point lead, you know, early in the game is not what it used to be. You know, to be able to come back, you know, we cut the deficit in a short amount of time. It was a you know, like to, coming into the fourth quarter, it was a tie game with a bunch of basketball left to play. So um, we knew we could get back into the game as we did. We just got it. Just it was just a lack of energy. Um, I would say tonight, ah. and for whatever reason, you know, <laughs> it was just no energy. Tried to tell you, I tried ah. to tell you. I'm watch. I'm watching them play, and I'm thinking energy, effort. It's just not where it needs to be. It's just not, and I'm I'm glad that Jalen acknowledged that. And and John, that doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it any easier to swallow. <laughs> but that's 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 what they did, though. They, I mean, and and Josue, you touched on something, and I didn't think about that until you mentioned it. We've seen them have those amazingly awesome games offensively, and then next time out, Casper the friendly ghost. Where are they? Where did that team go? We don't know. And and they're <laughs> and they've done that consistently this year. Uh, and it's a problem. It's a problem. I like when they play pretty good because when they play pretty good, they usually win. But look when they have bad. those amazing, yeah, look how bad it's gotten. I'm just oh stop stop. Like, throughout that, <laughs> no, no, we're not there yet, Eric. Come out there. No, my thing is in that fourth quarter is 
it was almost as if, okay, just keep hanging around and you'll get over the hump, you know? And, and then once they, they, they were so close, I felt like nothing really changed in their energy or their approach really, you know? And, and I think the Phoenix Suns stayed consistent. I, I mean, look, the Celtics, the, the way Jalen talked about how easy it is nowadays to get rid of a 20-point lead, I mean, deficit, I mean, okay, sure, it's easier than maybe it was about 10 years ago, but you can't rely on that every single time. You know, you can't just say, okay, we're just going to come right back, but then not change or not be consistent after that. It's going to take a lot, lot, lot more than that. And, and Joe Mazzullo kind of touched on that as well, saying that, you know, you put yourself in these situations and, and it's not always going to turn out. You got to play damn near perfect basketball to, to get out of it when a team is playing, is putting forth the type of effort that we saw from Phoenix. Is, is it possible that what Brad Stevens needs to find at the trade deadline is energy? Just go trade for energy. It doesn't matter what position. I've been, uh, I've been a big fan of Jay Crowder. I mean, he's got a whole lot of that. We just need energy, right? I don't. I don't know what that trade would look like, but John, I'm I'm, I'm going to go back on and I'm going to double down on what you said, John. I think they just need to get guys who can play. They need a guy who can play. Doesn't matter what position. More basketball players. Here's the thing: if you get a good basketball <laughs> it's player, true, that typically mitigates the energy question and energy issues. I mean, if you go out and get a guy who can shoot forty percent for three point range, who's seven feet tall. You're not going to really question his energy level if he's taking like four shots and he's giving you nine, ten points and that's nine, what, ten minutes off the bench. Right. So that's you, what I've so never you understood. Want, you want they, you want the team to trade for Kelly? Is that, is that what you're trying to say? Uh, look, hey, hey, I, hey, I, hey, hey. That was very Kelly specific. Up. That was you mad know, specific. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. Y'all know I'm, I'm a big KO fan. He fits uh, the criteria of what you just said. So. I've been okay. all over it, but he's making money. And so you're, 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 you're need basically trading for him. You're trading for him to not sign Grant. That's what you're doing. I think if, if you're the I Celtics, I think the Celtics will ultimately hit the buyout market. I don't think they're going to trade for anyone because I, I just think that they're too in love with their core group, their top seven, top eight players. But, and but, what, what are you going to get for if you package of guys outside of your top eight? What are you Again, get? you you're might gonna... get a guy that's playing 10, 12 minutes, as we said, is it doesn't matter, you know, you're looking for, as we said, and we'll welcome it, Bobby, a wing who's better than Hauser, a big who's better than Cornette, and, or somebody who can split some minutes with Grant at the 3-4. Um, that's uh, So those are your three things. The uh, Wherever you can get it from. Cut out for a second. Yeah, you're good. Now you're back. Good players just – then you become that team. That becomes your identity. Every team's got different pieces. You don't have to be everything. It's impossible to be everything. So anything is fine. Uh, well, welcome in Bobby. Bobby was in the locker room and talking to some of the Celtics. We'll get some locker room insights and a little bit of your uh, game analysis, Bobby, on your kind of thoughts on how things went tonight. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of love for the offensive effort tonight across the board. Uh, we talked to Al Horford in the locker room, and of course, Marcus Smart's absence comes up again. But he said it's not always on the point guards. Uh, they weren't getting to the right spots on the floor a lot of times. Um, I actually talked to DeAndre Ayton, too, and he was talking about how they'd fake out the Celtics a lot of times on some of the switches. So it looked like the Celtics were getting certain matchups, and then they wouldn't. And I think there was just a lot of hesitation and pause in the offense tonight uh, due to what phoenix did specifically i actually look at this game and say this is just a really good suns effort defensively they come in 12th in defense which isn't overly impressive but we've seen this team be among the best teams in the league defensively at different points and they obviously have the big bodies to disrupt tatum in the paint this is about as passive of an effort as i've seen from jason tatum this year in terms of getting to the basket joe Missoula didn't agree with that 
when I brought it up. Um, you like the free throws he generated. And yeah, but six, of them, six of them were on threes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get half of yeah. them on charity yeah, he calls on to those free throws real quick. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, yeah, Missoula not said all they, twelve free throw games are made equal. This was one yeah. where he got a, some gimme no, on, on some I, other I, stuff. I think his shot profile is probably the worst we've seen from him all year. Uh, he never gone to the paint for a good look in the game. I don't think. Uh, well, and, he did. He was fouling or throwing his hands up, and he it didn't result in any good. And the and the refs could tell, right? Yeah, and they could and tell. You could even, it, yeah, you could even see on one of those fouls he drew beyond the three point line. Uh, he. He's fortunate he drew it or it would have been another bad shot attempt in this game. So he was terrible. Um, this is about as bad as we've seen him this year. Yeah, and I mean, really three attempts in the paint and, and, and not really quality ones. So you're right. I mean, it yeah. was just not, not a great not a great game for him. And then late in the game, you saw him getting frustrated with the officials. And a couple key misses late really stalled out that comeback attempt, which was a solid one. But it didn't really have the legs to actually come through and uh, complete anything tangible here tonight. So you can't complete it when no one gets hot, and that was the problem. Uh, Jalen Brown did not have a good fourth quarter. Tatum didn't do anything. He, he was over three field goal wise. Al Horford never really made any buckets. Uh, nobody got going uh, for them. So that you can't really come back unless shots start falling. They just every time they had a chance, they'd get an open three that could cut it to three or do whatever, and they it wouldn't go down. They just couldn't. They they couldn't make enough shots there to come back. And Joe Sway said this during the game, and I saw it too. Uh, they did a good job cutting off Rob as an outlet to the rim too. I think they set yep. dash to him well, and he didn't create any separation. So he didn't have that basket threat. Derek White did a few good things around the rim, but then missed a key layup late in the second half too. And as you said, no one got going in this game. The sleepy effort early killed them. When they were holding the Suns to, what, 0 for 9 to start the game, that's where you really need to build a lead. And they shot 2 for 12 themselves, I think. So uh, this – this was one of their worst games all year. And again, we talk about, you're going to have three games, give or take a year. I forget who said this recently, where you hit, you have that next result where you're running away by 50. And then you have a couple games a year where you just have nothing. And that was tonight for this team. I, it comes in line, obviously, with some of the offensive issues to the middle portion of the season that we've seen from them. And it'll be interesting to continue to track those into Detroit and, uh, especially against Philadelphia next Wednesday. But uh, overall right now, I'm kind of just looking at this and saying this is just a really bad night against a team that played them really good. Yeah, no doubt about that. A couple things just to trickle down, Bobby. We've obviously talked about um, Tatum, um, you know, smart, uh, you know, absence being an issue. But you go further on down the bench and you're looking at, you know, uh, you've definitely got some issues here where you're not getting terrific contributions. And, you know, one that of the part. guys you could really look yeah. at right here is a freaking goose egg from Grant Williams, man. And again, you talk about lineups and bodies and bigger bodies and things that are tough there are teams and some lineups and some matchups that grant williams is a zero against the switching the switching teams take him out of the game completely take him out yeah that's true Uh, so there's not much more you can say i know joe sway and i kind of caught blake going up to him and it looked like he was going to give him kind of this pep talk after he checked out for the last time but he just ended up kind of giving him a pat on the back not the same exuberance in the games you usually see from him talkativeness he looked kind of despondent out there tonight I, I, he just kind of looked out of it and a lot of the team did I thought for much of this game but he, he especially is is going through it from the field I was looking at his numbers in the new year coming into the night 40 percent from the field he's still hitting some threes 35 36 percent but not the rate he needs to no. to really be effective on a low volume uh, so he's 
he's ineffective right now. I, I don't know what you're going to do if he continues to play like this. And especially ahead of next week, um, I still tend to think we've had these conversations about whether you get ahead of free agency with him. I don't think you do it, uh, but who knows what they're going to do. And he's obviously in play. I don't, I don't. Well, again, uh, Bobby, you and I have talked about it. I really think it's less about trading grant, but it's more about trading for his replacement. So yeah, yeah. if you're, if you've decided Grant's not a guy you're going to give 15, 16 million to, then you can trade for a guy who makes like a, Again, I'm not saying this is the guy, but you go back to Olinick. Olinick makes roughly what Grant would be demanding, okay? And he's guaranteed it for a couple <laughs> sure more years. I'm just saying, not please. Everyone's gonna be like, I fucking hate Olinick. He can't play defense. We all know what Kenny, Kelly Olinick can and can't do. I'm saying a player like that that has a salary going forward and locks him in with you for a couple of years might be the type of player that you can bring in if you've decided you're not moving forward with Grant. If you think you are going to try to move forward with Grant, but you think you can get him at a price that makes sense for you, obviously you hold on to him and you look for buyouts or rentals or things like that. But that's one tactic you can take where you don't want to lose that roster spot and you do trade for somebody who comes in here and you just continue to pay them out whatever it is they're due, and you let Grant walk. And again, it's very similar to the Fournier situation with that uh, and the question of whether you would pay Smart or him. They ended up playing Smart. Fournier was a rental, and he took off there. But you could find yourself in that position too here uh, You know, with this if, if, if you're not – not happy with it. Uh, the, the thing with Grant, though, is the price is going down at this point. He's making himself more affordable for next year. So, yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say, you don't, you might not have to trade him, but he's probably not going to be around next year. Who knows? Yeah, I, you'd make that deal, right? The, the Olenek. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not saying Olenek, but I have no problem that, taking that on, type, that prototype taking on something with some salary in the Derek White range of salary and this and that with the idea that, yeah, I might have spent that on Grant, but I'll just spend it on this guy instead. If you can get that and a team wants out from – that's that's the whole point. If a team wants out from a Derek White-type deal that's recently signed with a player and they don't want to pay him out for two or three more years because they want the cap flexibility, I, that's an opportunity where you might be able to get something for, for less uh, because just a team, a team trying, to, trying to dump, you know? Yeah, and I try to imagine every scenario possible because the Celtics always surprise us. So I want to be on top of things if if they do make a move like that and stun us. But I've heard nothing on Grant. I, I haven't gotten a sense that they're really aggressively looking for possible replacements in a move like that. And um, that Bullpet report that we're kicking around on the Olenek thing, I think actually mentioned that the Celtics have no plans to trade any of their rotation guys. So I'd be stunned if anyone on this roster, one through, let's say, eight, uh, gets moved, and that includes Grant. Uh, so I'm I'm almost entirely ruling it out. But again, I don't want to be surprised by anything. Um, I heard tonight, I don't think there's a lot of truth to, from the Celtics side on the Olenek thing. It wouldn't be stunning if that's just kind of Utah drumming that up to get his price going. And you mentioned it before, John. I, I don't mind the idea. I actually like the idea the more I thought about it with the contract and everything like that. Another guy you could potentially leverage um, uh, ahead of Grant's free agency. So you have him on the roster. Yeah. If Grant ends up I don't hate it. He's you know what of- he is. He fouls. He's, he does not a great defensive player, but he's a stretch four. He's play. He has a you know a legit stretch four. Has some size. Um, you know, it's it's you know. It is what it is. Um, it, but is there I, a lot of 
is there a lot of boxes that Grant checks that Olenek doesn't? I mean, I think that's the. I mean, look, we're not talking. Just I think he's a better shooter than Olenek. Not by a lot, though. No. They're both hovering around what, 42, 43 from behind? The now they are. Olenek's around 40 this year. 40, 41. Yeah, I mean, a little bit, but. I don't think you look at it as a replacement right now, though. I, I think you look at it as down the road. No, yeah. he would be complimentary now with the idea that you can hold on later. Yeah, you hold you'd on be, to him, and then you'll see you'll, you'll see Grant walk though if you if you hold on to him. You'd be yeah. okay playing paying Grant twelve, right? And Olenek making twelve, so it makes well, a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense from what they were going to end up paying Grant. But you bring him in and you plan to sign Grant. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. No, uh, especially with the cost. So the cost is everything. I don't think they want to give up a first if they don't have to uh, for a I backup big. Um, and I do think that they're going to really explore the backup big thing. Um, I don't know how much they feel like they they need it. There's probably some level of debate over that. Yep. But I think if they're going to do anything, you, you guys were kicking around wing. I think it's going to be big if they do anything. I, I would not expect a wing at least via trade, maybe buyout. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't think they're gonna pay for a wing, especially Everybody, one that does things yeah. on both ends. Everybody got likes bigger, wings. Uh, we do have a bigger. Go ahead, go ahead, Sherrod. I was just gonna say you've got bigger issues and concerns with your big situation because, as we yep. pointed out earlier, you've got one guy who's on the other side of the mountain in terms of age. You got another, got another guy tonight. Oh God, Bobby! I'm worried. Give us the latest on give us the latest on on, on Luke Cornett's uh Cornette, Bobby's got to get off here and head right to the hospital. <laughs> so I was like, get it out of the way. Hurry up. Go ahead. It'll be like the scene from like Varsity Blues. Everyone's let's just gonna go, be crying in the let's hallway. Go, Bobby. Come on, let's I get, get the him. I didn't see him. Because I, I know you're my boy I'm gonna walk to again. That's a great reference. <laughs> is, is he gonna walk again? Is he gonna the contest walking. again? <laughs> I hope he's all right. <laughs> we know you do. What about we my laugh? <laughs> and he was playing good tonight uh, before he, before he leaves. That, yeah, it's a tough balance. I I think you need another guy in that mix. So go ahead, Shrod, though. I interrupted you. No, I, I was just going to say you need a guy to help at that position because you've got a guy who's up there in age and a guy who's injury prone. Uh, and it needs to be someone that you can actually look at and say, he can give me 15, 20 minutes productive every night if I needed it. But most nights, I'm only going to need about 10, or, 10 to 12. Yeah. And Luke, and Luke, I mean, Luke's not that guy. He, he, wasn't, he didn't totally suck tonight. But I'm not confident that Luke can give you 10 to 12 good minutes every night. Again, I think, I think he can. But what we're, talk, what we're talking about here is, you on a championship caliber team, on a championship caliber team, ten minutes, ten, ten minutes, I think he can. Ooh, here's but, the problem. But you get to the finals. Here's the problem, Bobby. You get to the <laughs> finals and Rob goes down, and you lose because you didn't have the depth at that spot. You're gonna be like, why Bobby, can't you just give up a first to get a the guy? The Cornette problem is he's he's not your third. And I said this to Sherrod earlier. He's not your third big. He's your first big off the bench if you're starting double. And that's the problem is he's thrust into a role immediately where you'd be better off. Like 
Al should be your backup big in a regular world, in a regular lineup. But, you know, we've got this weird double big obsession, which everybody seems to love. But it really is what messes up with your kind of rotations and and and, and thrusts people into positions that are kind of awkward. I really do think you have to try when Smart comes back, just rob and kick Al to the bench and see what happens. Ah, I know Al's you hate it, but bench. why? Because you're so good with those guys on the court. Look at the numbers. You're you're destroying teams with those guys out there. Again, it's the best lineup in the league, especially when you get smart back in there. We've seen one game. You can still play them at times, but yeah, I was you balance. Say, man. Sample size not that. Not you that big. balance your rotation more by doing that. When you're when it's not, you're forced to throw in kind of a Hauser or Pritchard plus a Cornette combo into that second unit. And it's just not great. And if Grant's giving you zero right now, you're just going, your, 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 your second unit is so rough because of that. And some people are saying Rob to bench. That's fine. Again, I'd still rather be tinkering at this time than locking into one thing because it works and playing Al and Rob and all of those guys. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, Sherrod's gonna uh, gonna pop out. We may be wrapping the show in a little bit, but Sherrod, I did want to get your take on Kyrie. If you've got enough uh, juice to give it here, you can. If uh, if not, uh, we can uh, we can wait for you to return. But we are gonna wrap the show in a few minutes. Bobby and I went live uh, to a crowd of about a thousand this afternoon, which was great. Uh, a lot of people jumped in uh, who wanted uh, a little bit of a take on the uh, Kyrie situation. But as we know, Kyrie Irving uh, reportedly requested a trade. It seems like it's pretty real. It seems pretty surprising. And I said this on the show and I said it in our text. Uh, one of my biggest, most like definitive L's of the season uh, going, going on a rant during Brooklyn saying, look at them. They fixed it. Kyrie's going to stay. Uh, holy crap. Just like that, he's gone. So, guys, uh, you know, Sherrod and Joe Sway, I'm curious your your thoughts here. Kyrie has Charlie Browned us. I, I was I was all on board with like contract Kyrie. He was balling, the team was winning, everything's good. He's doing this without Kevin Durant. When Kevin gets back, they're gonna be right up there in the mix. And then he pulled a Lucy on us and just like, nope, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm ready to go. It's it's disappointing because it, it, again, Kyrie is such a just incredibly talented player, but he's going to have more trouble than I think people realize finding a team that's willing to give him four years max contract, not because of his talent, right. but because of all the baggage that comes with that talent. Uh, we just saw a team here, Phoenix, who is most likely going to be among those check kicking the tires to see if they can swing a deal for Kyrie because they've got a, a they've got a lot of nice pieces that could potentially move on to Brooklyn, and, they, and they're a team that is looking to kind of get back into the, the championship race, if you will. But the bottom line with Kyrie is this, and I, and I got a couple of, of scouts who ask me this question, and I don't, I don't have an answer. What will make this guy happy? It's not money. It's not being a champion. It's not being a leader. And, and you're left, and if you don't know what the hell is going to make him happy, how the hell do you know if he's going to be a good fit for your team? Because you don't know what's going to work for him. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but see, Sherrod, sometimes I, with, with this whole thing, I, I feel like there's a chance that there may be a there may be a path here where there is uh, something he's talk, thinking about going the, 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 the L.A. route, you know, that they need help over there or another team. I just feel like Kyrie is sort of in a situation where he's like, okay, 
I'm not whatever happened the, the, between the negotiating between the organization and, and Kyrie. I mean, what is it? Chris Haynes released a report saying that there was some sort of stipulation about winning a championship. What's that? Whatever the stipulations are, Kyrie wasn't having it. And I don't think necessarily has to do with the max deal, but maybe it's just those stipulations that he just felt targeted or he felt like he was being put on the spot. Whereas he's thinking to himself, man, I, I haven't proved myself enough this season. I look at my numbers, you know, they, they, they look a hell of a lot better than they did last year. And, and, and I'm here and I'm available. And, and I, I think whatever happened throughout those talks obviously left left Kyrie thinking, look, I don't want to be playing for these guys anymore. Maybe not in the sense of because of the way the team looks, not, not just because of that, but also because of what the future holds. And whether it's you know Ben Simmons and them trying to improve that roster and the limitation that they have in doing that, I just think Kyrie's looking at the rest of the league and saying, okay, which one of these teams really want my services? Because there's, there's a handful of teams out there that could be one Kyrie you know, away from being a championship. But it's dumb, team. isn't it, Josue? Like all he had to do was not melt down and either the Nets sign him at the deal that he wants without stipulations or someone else does because he's free. Last year, he had that option to pick up or not pick up and he wanted a long-term deal so he could piss and moan about that. But at any point in time, he can just be free. So why not build up some good Because behavior? that's when teams aren't going to, teams are going to be desperate. Build no shot. People, teams are desperate now. They think that there's a lot of teams that think they have a shot. And, if and you're right Kyrie now, Irving and your goal is to convince somebody to pay you for four years at ma- close to max money, the only way you do that is by not having another freak out and demanding a trade or doing something weird. No, like see, a- I don't, see, I don't agree with that. I, I think the best way to convince a team is to finish strong in the second half, go deep into the playoffs, whatever that yes. means. And, That's what and, I'm saying. And, and give give the team that sort of sort of small sample size that says, you know what? Yes, we'll do. We'll we'll, we'll bring you back. You know, maybe it's for two, three years. Maybe it's a max deal, whatever the case may be. I mean, that's what this is about. Instead of him trying to convince a team during the offseason when they're not quite sure where they are, whatever, whichever organization. Uh, he has to do it one way or the other. He's got more leverage right now. He has to do it. No, he has to do it one way or the other. Someone's got to open up the checkbook after the season. So whoever he goes to, he's just adding another kind of blemish to his reputation now. It makes no sense. Yeah, but you're going to get a motivated Kyrie. That's the Oh, difference. but he's supposed to be motivated now. It he lasted, was, though. Look at his numbers, Joe. It lasted like a month and a season. half. And it's, it's just been a mess again. in Brooklyn. That's yeah. the thing. It's just been a Gerard. mess. Gerard's and, in the warehouse next to the <laughs> ladders. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what he's at. And he, said, said, he knows he there's, said. Little, there's little the organization can do to improve that roster. The only thing I'll add to that is the timing, I think, makes some sense. Because if he went into the offseason trying to get money from the Nets, which this seems like what it is. I can't think of any other reason he'd do this right now other than trying to secure that extension uh, before the trade deadline. And that trade deadline is a date he can hold the Nets under some pressure against. Because if it goes to the offseason, he's negotiating with the Nets. The only leverage he has is other teams. If the Nets hold out like they did last year and say, all right, go get it from someone else and it's not there, all of a sudden he's stuck and he's not on a team at all. And the only choice he has is to go back to the Nets at that point. So at least in season, he can potentially find his way onto another roster like the Lakers and they'd have his bird rights to pay him, unlike in the offseason where the Lakers – Exactly. That's his best option. The Lakers don't have cap in the offseason right now if they want to keep Ruiachi more and that team together. Uh, So – this is critical timing for the Nets. I have no clue what they're going to do. We all talked about this at the Garden tonight. It's a it's a really brutal decision. I, I 
I don't know what I do in their shoes. I like they're in a terrifying spot right now because you're choosing to keep Durant and Irving together long term, which has massive risks, as we saw with the suspension earlier this year. Or you're moving on from them, which could be good. You might get a ton back for these two, but your picks are going to Houston for the foreseeable future. So if you're bad at all, uh, I know it's a pick swap this year, but Houston's going to be doing backflips. It's going to be a lot of empty seats in Brooklyn uh, going forward for a very expensive team. So I have no clue what they're going to do, Sherrod. With you? Well, I, I think what Brooklyn's going to have to do, and it's again, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but they got to blow this thing up. They got to blow it up and they've got to find a partner that can help them reload and retool quickly. And to me, when you look around the NBA landscape, Oklahoma City makes the most sense. That's mm. one of the that's one of the few teams that has the kind of young talent, all silver the deals, all the picks <laughs> all that you could picks. possibly want. So all those picks that you said in the Houston, you can replenish those picks from Oklahoma City. Are they going to be as good? Probably not, but you it gives you at least a fighting chance to get your franchise back into some level of stability after basically going all in on KD, Kyrie, and James Harden and coming up, you know, shooting, you just, you just lost. You, right. Because right. otherwise, you're, what's you're, the, yeah. you're, you're trying to minimize the amount of damage that, that you have incurred exactly. on your franchise at this point. And, and getting a lot of draft picks and getting a, a couple of young, talented players from a team that has literally has those to spare in Oklahoma City, it makes the most, a lot of sense. Yeah, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm, I'm that. This is this is my way to to do my best to revamp this roster and, but and please and, and please Durant, obviously, because he doesn't have a, you know, these next couple of years or next season. Yeah. I mean, look, you can't though having can't. This, but the way the salary cap is right now, John, like Ben Simmons not going anywhere anytime soon. He's still on the contract for what two, three more years. Durant. I mean, at least with this, you'll have some leeway here. But, of course, you have to make the right deal. you got to be smart. I don't think there's any way you can trade Kyrie. you got to make sure it makes the most sense. I just think it kills them because you're going to lose Durant if you trade Kyrie. I think that's Um, it, yeah. And and so I think you have to actually acquiesce to his demands um, and and, and give him what he wants if this is truly a ploy by Kyrie. But – the reason you can't blow it up right now if you're Brooklyn is because you don't have your own picks. And so if you go into the tank right now and you go rock bottom, they're right back where they were before when they gave all their picks to the Celtics. They can't go to zero. They have to reload. They can't rebuild because if they trade Kyrie, they're going to be trading for future firsts from a team that they hope is going to be bad. If they trade Durant and Kyrie, they're not going to give them to a contender and take the 27th pick in the draft, they're going to be for future picks because they're going to want to wait for that team to dry out and for those picks to be a little bit better. And they have none of their own. So if they go in the tank, they cannot rebuild for years right now. They're in a really tough spot, really tough spot. Um, If they do this, they almost, as I said, is almost are better to just give Kyrie whatever he wants. Cause if he goes and you don't get fair trade and you've already eaten Simmons and that was a bad trade for you because uh, he's not worth the money that you're paying him. And you've got that contract as an albatross hung around your neck. And then Durant's like, yeah, I'm gone too. You're effed. There's no way you're, you're six years from, 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 from even thinking about contending again. It's such a long road. It's, it's a really tough thing right, for them to do. If, if you were, I if think you're the you're net, who are you calling first though? John, huh? or anybody. Who, who would you call first? Which team would you call first if you're the Nets? The Celtics. Yeah. Really? 
No, no, you're not serious. Get out. No, but man, I you know me, I love stories, and uh, they're the ones that left the bad taste in his mouth. I'm not calling calling anybody. But he loves Jalen. I'm gonna get calls. I'm not gonna. I'm I'm not. I'm. I think Brooklyn has their plan. We're just gonna sit back and see who calls. He loves him, Jalen and Tatum. Yeah. If you're stood their ground against Tyrone, which team are you? How about that? (laughs) Damn it. They said they were ground against Iran. I we talked about it earlier, John. I I'd trade them. I would. I you got to do the right deal. This is it. Um, this is it. End I'd it. pay. Good I'd pay Kyrie. Believe it or not, I wouldn't. I that, wouldn't. What makes you think position, it's going to be worth it? It's not. I just think it's the. It's again faced with the alternative. Off, faced with two awful choices. That's less awful to me. That's all. I I I wouldn't feel good about it. Can't. I would have already four, paid him by now. One more years of saying, "Oh, is Ben gonna get right?" It or, sucks, but I still, I, I you have to team on paper. They look, they look great on paper. Four more years, rebuild. I know I it's think, not easy with the picks, but rebuild. I, yeah, I think it's tough. I think it's tough. Um, if you want to see a long ass conversation about this, you can check it out on our YouTube page. Bobby and I went. I wouldn't say that long, but Bobby and I went about forty five minutes talking about this soon after it broke in the middle of the afternoon here, and that was a fun conversation. You can check that out, uh, guys. If you want a shorter version? You can yeah. watch our report too. Bobby and you I did a pregame thing real quick. You guys did some really good stuff. Um, so a lot of Kyrie stuff on the channel. Uh, I'll ask you guys once before we go. Um, generally speaking, I don't, you know, you don't want to ride too much with highs and lows. They win by a lot. They lose in a shitty effort. What's your level of overall concern about like what's the Celtics in general? Is it a, they're bored with the regular season when they have all the pieces, they'll be absolutely fine. Or are they um, in some weird habits right now, particularly when it comes to their offense and then sometimes defensive effort that's going to be difficult to overcome. Because, again, you're looking at two fairly distinct sample sizes of roughly 25, 26 games. As I mentioned, 21 and 5 was the high water mark after that win against Phoenix. You're now 16 and 11 in the, 26, uh, in the 27 games since then uh, with a bottom five offense and your shooting has cratered. Uh, what's, uh, what's the deal with this team? What, what are we looking at here? I think it's the latter. I really do. And it's something that Joe's been harping on. It's almost been like his biggest concern of the year is that they they won't be able to find find consistency in these habits. And this is why the last, what, three, four wins, he sort of just brushed them off because he's like, man, I want to see consistency. I want to see this team do this every single night. So I, I, I really do think it's the latter. Can they do it? Yeah, I think they can. I think they have the, the roster too. They have the players to do it to find consistency. But they have to actually go out there and be consistent. I mean, injuries, they don't help. Uh, maybe a false identity of who they were in the sense of, you know, blowing teams out and then putting in a, a different kind of effort on, you know, two nights later. That can be part of it as well. But they have to figure this thing out. And, um, you know, the All-Star break should help, you know, just to reset a bit, regroup, and then come back. But uh, in the meantime, they got to they gotta figure out why they're running into these, why they continue to do these habits and they can't find consistency. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to d- double down on – how I felt about them before the season. I thought at the beginning of the season they get to the finals, and I'm going to stick with that. I, I, they have some things they need to clean up between now and then, obviously. But I, I think the problems that they – every team has some type of issue or problem or problems they got to work through. The Celtics, when I look at some of the issues that they have relative to Milwaukee, relative to Philadelphia, relative to Indiana and some of the other teams in the East, their problems are manageable. Um, I, I think, And I, I think once they have their collective group together – 
Marcus is back, and, and Rob now showing the ability to play 30 minutes, which he showed at the end of last season, and you bring Malcolm Brogdon into the mix, I do think they're going to have enough to get back to the NBA Finals. I think so, too. they got to figure out the second unit, though, and that's a deadline topic, the rotation topic, and minutes topic, too, that we've talked about the last couple of games. I can't see any way 40 minutes per game in January for Tatum didn't have some impact on him. I talked to Mikhail Bridges after the game because I was curious. He's obviously a top five minutes guy, too. I want to see if there's anything there in terms of it affecting your play, and he wouldn't let on about it either. Guys don't like saying that. Weren't he and Tatum like one and two? Uh, I think Tatum's fourth uh, behind probably Edwards, Randall, and Bridges. So, you know, they're at a high, high level of minutes, and guys manage with it. But I think you see across the board there with those top four, you saw it from Bridges tonight to some degree, there's some unevenness in their offensive play night to night when you're playing that level of minutes. And I don't think anyone wants to acknowledge it, but they need to find out ways to scale back Tatum's minutes. And yeah. I don't know. It's finding better ways to use Brown. Uh, I think it's finding better ways to play make on the bench when uh, when Tatum's not out there. And then, of course, it's the wing issues that they're having with no Hauser involving Pritchard. Uh, and then, of course, the the big men off the bench and those rotations that we talk about here. I feel like they just don't have a firm second unit right now, especially with White going into the starting unit with Smart out. Um I'm very interested in how they're going to continue to shape that because that was such a weapon for them early in the season. Being able to build those leads alleviates the load on Tatum. And I think it's going to be important to scale back those minutes before the postseason. I know he's got the diet and the preparation and this and that. I, I understand it all. But I think if you keep playing him 40 minutes a game the rest of the way, there's almost no way he doesn't regress to some degree. I mean, you get three days off. And him and Brown come out and shoot seven to twelve from three against Brooklyn. I don't think there's any coincidence there. Yeah. Well, again, we'll see. What? What? what are, we, are we back on Monday? Monday. Yep. Monday. Uh, Monday. Detroit. Todd, you going? No. Too much school. Class. Yeah. Gonna teach the youth. I got. The I also. Have to, of the world. I also. So got to. So running yeah. at the eight, you got no time to go out to eight mile. Not this time. Yeah, I have to teach the youth on Monday as well, so it'll be a Jimmy, a Jimmy Josue, Bobby show. Um, but we will be late. back. Yeah, exactly. The kids, the kids. Uh, maybe we'll ask Nick to join too. Uh, but anyway, we are going to wrap it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for hanging out with us. Celtics lose ugly, uninspired game. We'll see what happens. Detroit on Monday. Keep it with us. Obviously, if there's any breaking news, the trade deadline coming. I promise you, if anything happens prior to that, we will hop on there with as many people as we can muster certainly bobby and i but anybody else willing to join uh if there is any breaking news anytime in the next few days we will of course do a trade deadline special as well in the hour or so leading up to it and kind of take us through it uh so you want to make sure to tune in and again what time is the what time is the deadline again 3 p.m is it three or did they move it three so we will do something in the afternoon there uh, and uh, and uh, obviously yeah, join it, but we'll we'll send out some promos and stuff for there. Uh, all those guys at the Garden, Sherrod, Josue, Bobby, doing great work. Thanks, you guys, for hanging out. Pray for Jimmy Toscano. He's got a noon hockey game in New Hampshire on a pond. Hey. It's going to be about minus 20 degrees there for Jimmy. Oh. I didn't think about it like that. That's going to be tough. For those of you out there traveling, try not to travel. Don't go anywhere if you don't have to. If you do, put a a blanket or two in your car. Be safe. Worried about this. Worried about this trek home tonight. 
Yeah, exactly. Stay warm uh, and uh, and stay safe. 24 more hours of this and we should be out of it. So uh, again, thanks a lot, everybody. Good night. We'll see you guys.